I'm like thinking while I'm talking. Like I'm, I'm thinking four or five words ahead of what I'm reading. That's the way you are, Reed. When you talk, you do a lot of that pausing and reflecting and thinking. More people should pause and reflect. Stop tweeting and think. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have some fun along the way. I am Chris Boyer. I am one of your co-hosts. As always, I am joined by Reed Smith. On the other side of the microphone, Reed is a digital strategist, digital patient experience expert. He's a social media guy, artist, and apparently he's a snow bunny today because it's snowed down in Austin. Yeah. You can find out a little bit more about him online at socialhealthinstitute.com and also on all the social channels using his handle at Reed Smith. Reed, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. You're a little rusty on the intro there. We haven't you haven't read it in a few weeks. And more on that to come. But of course, that is Chris Boyer that I'm talking to. You can find out and connect with him on his website, ChristopherBoyer.com, social channels at Chris Boyer. Of course, he, uh, much like myself, spends a lot of time talking with hospitals about digital, digital strategy, marketing, communications, public affairs customer journey mapping, all that kind of fun stuff. So we are back again and uh, relevant to the uh, what I said a minute ago about the intro. We, of course, still would like some folks to read that if you're interested. We would love to feature you, whether it's that or any of the other segment intros. Uh, we, have, we have all kinds of stuff we could put you to work doing. So if, if you want to be featured, whether it's the intro or otherwise, reach out to us and we'll get you started. And don't forget to jump out there to our link, which we'll put in the show notes. It's also on our LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter accounts for our end of the year survey. We're going to be wrapping up an end of the year show, which we which promises to be a lot of fun. And we're giving out some awards. I understand, Reed, that the latest count, some people were winning certain categories mm-hmm. over others mm-hmm. yeah so far you're winning the argument tally from uh, touch point touch counterpoint and and then too we actually did have a comment about hey i didn't get to vote on my favorite recommendation that was an oversight on our part he had a great one and so we may just give the award based on his one vote but if you would like to vote on things that we've recommended certainly reach out to us or send us a tweet or something and we'll we'll add that in absolutely well read before we jump into today's podcast we want to do a special shout out to our friends over at Loyal. Loyal has an AI-driven platform that provides health systems with the tools they need to amplify patient feedback and guide patients through their digital journey. Absolutely. It is with a multidisciplinary team of engineers, marketers, data scientists that Loyal partners with the nation's leading health systems to promote patient loyalty through their smarter digital patient experience. To learn more about Loyal, Check out their website. You can also schedule a demo there. It's actually a really cool website, too. I would recommend uh, going out to visit them at loyalhealth.com. Again, that's loyalhealth.com. Absolutely. And they've got some really cool graphics on their homepage. So uh, go check it out. So neat site. Really, really neat site. Here we are. So today, Reed, we're going to be talking about uh, something that started with this sort of age-old debate, I guess I could say. When I first started in healthcare, it was immediately clear that there was this 
great difference between marketing and the communications departments. Does that resonate with your experience as well? It does. And I think even in smaller organizations where historically, like even the role that I had at a hospital, I would have been over marketing and communications. But even in those types of organizations, the thing I'm seeing now is a lot of times corporate office or whoever is coming in and saying, okay, you can't do both. So pick marketing or pick communications, and then we're going to hire for the other role. To each their own, I guess. Uh, Some of it depends on the size of the organization, some of that kind of stuff. But I I do see it as a very, or seen it, I guess, as very much of like two different things. What's also interesting, as a little bit of a side, a lot of times I've seen current day hospital marketers or healthcare marketers that come from a communications background or marketers that evolve themselves into becoming communications. It really becomes kind of a, I guess what I would call it a little bit messy. One of the first things that we're going to talk about is a study that the advisory board did about how hospitals are, are looking at these functions. And they were looking at hospitals that are a little bit bigger in size than the smaller mm-hmm. ones, where maybe they have mm-hmm. a marketing department of two, where they're starting to integrate marketing and communications together, these departments. 63% of hospitals with over 401 beds they have combined marketing and communications departments together, integrating marketing, advertising, PR functions into a single department. Wow. That's a lot of stuff in one place and a lot of responsibility, a lot of oversight. That's interesting. That's interesting. And if you think about it, there's a lot of confusion about what each role plays and how they work together. You put them in the same department, you're assuming they're going to start working together. I have to say there's even sort of a natural competitiveness that I see between marketers and communicators in healthcare. There is, and we'll get to you know where some of the confusion or maybe overlap is between the departments shortly. To some of that, because you know we don't necessarily. When I say marketing, that may not be what you're thinking of, or when I say marketing, you assume that I am thinking that marketing is the same thing that you think it is. Especially as you start hiring people from other organizations or people are moving around the country. They may take the same job based on the job title, but it may be, in practicality, a totally different role. Or a different emphasis. And again, going from one of those disciplines to the other discipline, you start to perform, I guess, the roles of those responsibilities differently. Mm -hmm. How do you measure the success of what you're doing? It really can cause some disconnects in healthcare. And I think the overarching theme that we're going to be talking about today, Reed, is how digital And the advancement of digital within hospitals and health systems is kind of forcing the integration of the two. We have a really good interview later on in the podcast with Matt Kaharski from Padilla, where he talks about the differences between marketing and communications, some of the things that he sees working with hospitals across the country. So look forward to that. All right. So what is marketing? What is communications? Well, you asked a loaded question. Because as you yourself said, the definition of marketing, definition of communications, it could differ by person, by person, by person. There's a lot of places online where we can find definitions, and we we found one that was on the AmericanMarketingAssociation.org website. You would think that's the authority, too. Yeah. I mean, that sounds very authoritative. What is their definition of marketing, Reed? Marketing is the activity. I think activity is an interesting word there, right? Set of institutions and processes for creating, communicating. See, this is where we start getting some confusion. Creating, communicating, delivering, and exchanging offerings that have value for a customer, a client, a partner, 
Yeah, whoever that target audience is, right? Just by looking at the definition there, it has the word communications in it. I know. And this is the American Marketing Association, right? Right. right. Now we have communications in that. Okay. Let's first, let's focus a little bit on marketing. What are some titles that we see? I mean, I think the role of marketing is kind of clearly defined in hospitals, but you know, maybe you're talking about uh, you, have, you have marketing managers or account executives sometimes they're called or directors of marketing or chief marketing officer. And these people with the variety of different titles kind of implies that they're doing a certain set of responsibilities. High level, a lot of times what marketing is focusing in on is doing branding work. That's a particular kind of focus of uh, marketing. Another is around patient acquisition or selection, helping with people selecting or choosing or deciding on a particular hospital or health system. Mm-hmm. Some others may be focusing on research, understanding the marketplace better, doing focus groups, doing using CRM to really understand the different aspects of, of marketing. Uh, I hate to always have a qualifier, you know, but it, it does somewhat depend on the size of the organization and, and the history of the organization, the structure of the organization. Sometimes you find yourself in, in like a not-for-profit type organization, and they're really going to be doing almost 100% communications or internal communications, you know, that type of thing. They're not really doing marketing at all. Like they don't have anybody in those roles. From a pure title standpoint, you typically see the chief marketing officer as the top of that pyramid, right? And communications is even underneath that. I, I don't know. You know, there, there's some segmentation there, but yet there's not in most organizations. Right. But you do see from a responsibility standpoint, things more around growth, uh, something right. that you put numbers to. So when you start saying things like metrics and, and web and you know, those people immediately think, well, that's a marketing function. You start saying things like social media. You start saying things like patient experience and some of those. And you don't really know where that goes in awareness. You know, awareness is kind of a weird one, too, that kind of overlaps both. Even down to the tactical stuff like video production. Well, where does that go? Maybe the best way to define it is looking at how do you define success? If you are growing your organization, growing the volume in your organization, is that a marketing function? If you're growing the reputation and the awareness of your organization, is that a marketing function? If you're focused a lot on ROI, is that a marketing function? You know, is that a way we can start to define marketing? I don't know. All right. Well, hang on. Let's all right. So let's talk about communications for a second. Let's even up the equation here a little bit. So what is what is communications? How are we defining communications? Okay. Well, that's even harder to define, right? I could not find a website that actually has that. Is that like um, anything <laughs> with like copy on it or that says anything? Like what is yeah. that? <laughs> what is communications? In the most literal sense of the term is how do you communicate effectively? How do you share information? It could be about your company to various different stakeholder audiences in a way that actually is more aligned with how they would respond to that. So let's say you're doing communications to physicians, which is a lot different than if you were communicating to, let's say, nurses or, you know, the janitorial staff mm-hmm. at your hospital, mm-hmm. you know, you develop strategies that are very specific to support that. It's the act of actually communicating. It's the action associated with communicating. Which you might argue that marketing does that too. Right. This is, this is getting really confusing really fast. Obviously, the typical roles or titles that you see in that space, anything, anything to do with public affairs, 
public relations, yes. internal communications, physician outreach, you know, those types of things, right? Media relations, internal communications. Community relations, um, any sort of relations. <laughs> but then what about patient education? Is that a communications strategy? Because a lot of times in hospitals, we align patient education to the clinical side of the house. Now, you would argue that that's developing a specific way to talk to a specific audience, stakeholder audience, using communications. Mm -hmm. Patient relations under there. No. Not necessarily. All right. So I'm going to go off script here for a second. I'm going to give you a list. You tell me where this stuff resides. Marketing or communications, right? Outdoor billboard. Marketing. Uh, Press release. Communications. Okay. Print ads. Marketing. Okay. Events. Um, Marketing? Could. It could. Or communications. That one I don't know. I'd I'd be on the fence. Website. Public-facing website? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just your main website. Marketing. Okay. Um, Social media. Uh, <laughs> both? <laughs> as I've started kind of thinking this in my head, I feel like as we creep into the digital space, it becomes muddier. Things like video, social media, online advertising. Okay, sure, it says advertising, and there is a media buy, and you could probably argue all that resides in the marketing side, but what about the messaging that's on that? What we're angling towards here, I think, is that as things become more digitally focused, the the lines are blurring even more, much like we've talked about the lines blurring between marketing and ITNS, marketing and quality. Gone are the days everybody's kind of doing their job in a silo. In that regard, I'm starting to see hospital organizations not only put these people together and call it marketing communications in one department, but they're even starting to smush the job titles together and come up with this Marcom title. Have you heard of this Marcom title? Yep. Is the intention behind that to say, well, you're going to be doing marketing and communications because marketing communications is a specific part of marketing, right? It's being able to, to communicate out to support a marketing initiative. But is Marcom taking a communications person or role and a marketing role and sticking them together into one? Some of it may be that we've got these legacy roles and people with a, a ton of ownership around that. So you have people that are media people, or you've got people that come from the advertising side or whatever it is, and now you're trying to figure out, well, how do we get them to all work together? I know, let's hire somebody and make them over all of them. So let's give them this hybrid title and make them figure it out. Make them figure out what is actually more important. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. You know, another thing that I see, Reed, is that organizations are also starting to say, well, we're not going to market just to directly to the consumer. We're going to create 
stakeholder audiences, and we're going to create marketing communications teams to support these various audiences. The consumer, the, the customer, the potential patient, uh, family members, the health seeker, that is going to be one particular audience, probably the largest audience of the activity. Another audience are employees. Another audience can be physicians. Another audience can be partners. Another audience can be the government, right, and any kind of regulatory facility. Right. And what they're doing is they're structuring strategies around the audience groups. You think that makes it a little bit more clearer? Mm, to some degree. I still think there's always going to be that argument of who owns something, some particular thing. And the problem that will never be solved is that much of that has to do with people's individual personalities and what they did or did not do historically with an organization or a previous organization or whatever. You could have the communications and the marketing person, you know, heads, whatever their titles are, I don't know, work together really well. And then they both leave and you get two new ones and they don't see eye to eye at all on the division of labor. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, something we spend a lot of time with, which is social media. Who owns Twitter? in the organization or Facebook or whatever. I think social media tipped the scale towards that. I think it would be fair for us to agree that the cooperation between marketing and communications in the historic legacy ways and getting them to start to work together is actually probably more effective because certainly if you are doing public relations work or you're out there doing you know communications to certain audiences, you can benefit from adopting marketing tactics, tools, strategies, even down to advertising to kind of help with that. Public relations can benefit from advertising. Yeah, absolutely. And then conversely, if you get a lot of, let's say, a lot of um, out in the owned channels that are out there, if you're doing that, that can actually assist marketing activities. So there's support here. They help each other. It's just there's still that level of confusion where I'm not really sure where certain things fit, where the confusion is between marketing and communications and who actually owns that. So let's talk about some of those areas that potentially could could cause confusion. The first is brand. Who creates the brand? The brand message, the brand statements, the brand value, maybe even the tone, the voice, the brand itself. Some of the problem there is when you say the brand, what do people think you're talking about? So is it the logo? The brand and a brand campaign are, are like, you know, kind of two different things because obviously creative or the visual aspects of the brand are probably going to come from the marketing side of the equation. But tone and voice and, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, you would think would come from the communication side. So a brand campaign is something that you a marketing activity, then uh, a campaign to go out into the market to promote your brand. It, it's usually at least led by marketing. What about brand protection? Like crisis communication, maybe. Right. Now we're starting to talk more like communications. Probably so. You know, even with some bigger organizations, there's some things around, you know, infringements and, you know, copyrights Mm -hmm. and, you know, some of that kind of stuff, maybe. Probably going to come from the communication side of the equation. I have seen some of those efforts being led by marketing, though, in, in my experience. I don't know about you. And again, it's based on that previous history of who that person in charge is. Some of it is just the identification and handoff to legal, depending on what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Similar as far as the brand protection goes, but reputation management, again, kind of bleeds into social, kind of bleeds into brand, but basically the sentiment of your brand, in most cases online. So, you know, we, we like to think about rating and review sites, which could or could not be social. You know, you got Yelp, you have Google, things like that. 
uh, health grades, uh, et cetera. Reputation management now includes a lot of transparency initiatives. Taking that HCAPS score, putting on the physician profile like we've talked about, or allowing people to better understand pricing. Probably, you know, you could argue has more to do with communications. Some of it, however, you could argue has more to do with marketing, with growth, patient acquisition. Yeah, particularly if you like put those transparency ratings on your profile, which causes them to drive up online through the online search results better, which then can help drive patient acquisition efforts. So now what you're doing is you're colluding a communications approach or tactic with a marketing or an online marketing activity. And now one begets the other. Maybe that's one of those examples where they're complementing one another. Yeah, and I think that pretty quickly gets you down the path to the aforementioned social media. Social media in and of itself, by its very nature, Mm -hmm. has made this very, very confusing. Especially when the popular social channels, whenever it was, uh, allowed for uh, paid or advertising to start making its way onto their platforms. Advertising, I think everyone would agree, uh, at least is led by or owned by uh, marketing. You know, the actual media by itself, the ad creation. However, on the flip side, you know, if you look at social media and you look at, I'll just take Facebook, for example, of what hospitals use Facebook for. They're repurposing a lot of content. A lot of that's earned media content. Well, where did that originate? Well, the earned media originated on the communication side of the equation through you know, media relations and those pitches that they're making and the coverage they're getting in the traditional media space. They're repurposing for content on social. So, okay, well, who does that? Like, where does, where does that come from? So now you're talking about the ownership of a particular platform or leadership on a particular platform, i.e. Facebook. That's a hard one. That really is a hard one. And that's, it seems so meta if you think about it, Reed, to take an earned media social media post, you're promoting that you were mentioned in the New York Times, for example, and then turning around and boosting that post on Facebook. So you're putting advertising dollars in. So now you're advertising to promote a media placement on a social channel. That just makes it so confusing. Is that accidentally an avatorial? An avatorial is a marketing thing though, Reed. Right. You're paying to say what you want to say, right? So in this case, you're paying to promote a positive message about yourself. It makes my head spin. Not to mention all the other things that social media also does, including service recovery and, sure. you know, and, 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 and all those other things. Here's another one that I see a lot lately, and I know we've talked about this before, but Brand journalism versus content marketing. We know what brand journalism is, right? That you're creating content to support your brand and you're putting it out there and you're putting that up on a blog, probably, and also on your social channels. But you're creating good content to support the overall brand of your hospital or health system. And that typically is a what function? Marketing or communications? Yes. (laughs) Correct. But then we've been talking a lot about content marketing. So content marketing is uh, activity of doing what? Well, you're creating content, you're publishing on a blog or social media or your website, and you're using that to actually promote a particular type of service line or a particular type of initiative, but it has a different goal in mind. It's almost like opposite sides of the same coin. In one instance, mm-hmm. it's, you know, marketing is taking the content role, and then in, in the other one, communications is taking the content role. But yet, it's the same thing. You're creating content. Right. Content about your organization. Correct. It's just where does the content originate? 
And I have seen communicators face off on opposite sides of a table arguing about who owns this particular activity. You know, the answer is, is that we're all doing the same thing. Chris, good news. The healthcare industry now has its own domain name. What? Absolutely. Everybody knows that organizations have .org, education has .edu. Well, now .health is available and quickly becoming the home for all health-related content online. And listeners to our podcast can visit get.health slash touchpoint to take advantage of an exclusive discount when registering your .health domain name. Visit get.health slash touchpoint now. I found this article, Reed, that I had to go all the way down to Sydney, Australia, actually, to find it. It kind of lists out in some bullet points what they feel are the differences between marketing and PR. And again, this is by no means are we endorsing this as a really great website, but it kind of hit some of the major key points. Do you want to kind of go down that list? Sure. To kick it off, I'd love to hear from folks on, on you know, do they agree with this? Uh, do they feel like there's some variability in there? But comparison between PR and marketing. So you have activities and tactics. What they say, at least, is marketing generally covers promotional, direct marketing, advertising, anything that, and they say direct sales, but this kind of goes back to our, our point about growth. Whereas PR is more about the reputation management. So media coverage, stakeholder communications, et cetera. So they have different activities that they do, I guess. Another thing is target audiences. They say marketing aims to reach current and potential customers, whereas public relations is all about maintaining positive relationships with anyone who has an interest in an organization or the brand. And this covers a broader audience across customers and media to employees, shareholders, stakeholders, physicians, whatever. Two different goals in mind. So the goal of marketing is what? To reach consumers and make them think to you know use your service. It's more of a, a sales-oriented action in a lot of cases. Again, back to growth. So PR is trying to drive the positive perception of the organization. This is kind of helping me understand the differences between the two so far. But where we're going to go off the rails really quickly is this next point. And this is where one I think it's a little bit controversial. Let's go into it. The legitimacy of messages. Messages delivered through PR channels, such as articles, conference speakers, or reputational bloggers, are subconsciously regarded by consumers as more legitimate than those presented through marketing tactics. Okay, now I didn't say that. That's not me that I'm quoting this article that we're linking to. Send all your mail to Chris. Generally, people can recognize advertising and marketing that's driven by a company and they associate it with sales activities, whereas they see articles that have maybe well-known names or maybe are, are presented or shared by someone, an industry expert, some thought leadership content, as more credible. Okay, how do you feel about that one? Reed? Well, yeah, I, I think that's obvious, right? You know, you see advertising on television, and that may pique your interest, but if a buddy tells you how great this widget is, then you're going to be like, oh, well, I too need one. I get it conceptually or at a higher level. I'm not sure that, that holds up all the way through. The fifth one, which is ROI, and so marketing has an ROI, communications does not. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know. 
Is that what they say? I don't even know. Basically, marketing is it is to some degree defined as an investment because in a lot of cases, it's a very black and white. You're paying for a media buy. You're paying for outdoor billboard, you know, whatever it is, uh, you're paying for this promotional activity. So you've got that loop back of like, well, okay, well then what did we get out of it? We paid X amount of dollars. Whereas a lot of times in this, we all know this isn't the case, but PR is free. I mean, that's what we claim at least. <laughs> Because what you're doing is you're lobbying for someone else to talk nicely about you. That's kind of what we think of as the PR definition. Now, sure. there's time, effort, energy, obviously, to build those relationships, to pitch those stories, that kind of stuff. But the idea that it runs on the evening news, you're not paying for that placement or that spot. Again, not sure, much like the last point, that it holds up all the way through. Here's one more of this article that we'll link to in the show notes. They say longevity. This is another one that I'm not sure I agree with, Reed. Marketing is a relatively short-term activity, whereas PR reaps its benefits over a longer period of time. While marketing seeks to drive instant, tangible sales results, the benefits of a PR program can be viewed as a long-term investment that a company would recognize for future achievements. So does that mean SEO is part of PR? I could argue that SEO is a long-term play. SEM is a short-term play. One of the things I wanted to do, maybe to round out this conversation, which I think if people are listening and they have a strong opinion one side or the other, they're probably like, uh, you know, tightening their fingers around the steering wheel if they're listening to it while driving or whatever. Do you know who David Meerman Scott is? Read. Yeah, absolutely. He, he wrote a book called The, the Real-Time marketing and PR. Uh, I think it's now on its sixth edition. He has a blog post that talks about PR versus marketing versus social media. And I think mm. he succinctly hits the nail on the head here. First, he says, people don't really care where they get the best content today. Mainstream media, content created by organizations, or things that people share via social media. If it's good content, they don't care where they get it. It's got to be trustworthy though, right? I mean, you got to have some level of trust of where it's coming from. Well, if it's the best content and it's content marketing coming from marketing, online physician reviews, if that's a marketing initiative, for example, right? A lot of people argue whether one is more legitimate, like mainstream media mm. over marketing, it leads to a flawed marketing and PR strategic decisions. So that whole conversation about which one's better, which one's more legitimate, as we talked about before, is kind of a pointless thing in today's world. Because in an offline world, marketing and PR are usually separate. But online doesn't matter anymore. Right. It's all the same. We don't want to create silos in our companies because digital doesn't work that way. Because it's all about good content. Now. Yeah, content is content is content. And so I think that that's where it boils down to. And that begets another question, which will probably be another podcast for another day. Which is, so how do we handle content? Where do we put the content people in our team? Oh, man. Just outsource it. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? 
That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website, but, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. Touchpoint. Touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready? Fight! All right, here we are at Touchpoint, Touch Counterpoint, the exciting, action packed portion of the podcast where Chris and I argue about a topic, the topic at hand of said episode. And uh, today, based on what we're talking about, we're going to pick a side. Is marketing a subset of communications or is communication a subset of marketing? So who's who's king of the mountain here? I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you think? Who, who's on top, marketing or communications? I think marketing is on top of communications. Communications, whether you're doing employee communications, PR, media, whatever, what you're doing is you're communicating out effectively to an audience to influence them, to persuade them, to get them to be aligned with sort of your messaging. And whether or not it's tied to any kind of like financial ROI, what you're doing, all of those things are marketing-like activities. So communications is definitely underneath marketing. Marketing rules it all. Hmm. It sounds like your message was just for communications. I know you said marketing, but it sounded an awful lot like communications. I think you've got to put communications on top because at the end of the day, regardless of if it's a paid effort or not, or what it is, we are communicating something. Therefore, it should be driven by communications. Marketing should fall under communications. Communications drives the strategy, drives the tone and voice, which is going to kind of fill in the blanks for everything else. I don't agree with you, Reed. I would say that if you're engaging in a marketing strategy, you're understanding your audience, you're understanding their needs, and you're you're creating the content to support the needs of those audiences and communicating it, which is a subset of what marketing is. Marketing is identifying your audience, you know, and all that other stuff. Then you're communicating it effectively to that audience. So communications is a, like a tactic or a tool in the toolkit of marketing, not the other way around. Mm, See, I think marketing is the execution of communications. So I think you're communicating, you're building a communication strategy and marketing is just the execution. You're buying ads, you're posting here, you're connecting here, you're asking people to take this course of action, uh, you know, even a billboard, a print ad, you're communicating your message with that, whether it be a service line message, a brand message, it doesn't matter. You're simply executing on your message. You know, it's interesting. All those years that you worked in a hospital, read, it must have rubbed off on you because you're really believing that marketing <laughs> is just the execution of the strategies. And that's not the same. Marketing, as we've talked about, and I may even heard from your words yourself, is much more strategic than that. It's understanding your audiences. It's understanding how your, your product or service plays within that audience, 
bringing out the value propositions, all before you actually execute, right? So marketing, again, is the uber strategy here. Communications just happens to be a minor strategy. So what I'm effectively saying is when you're doing employee communications, you're really marketing to employees. When you're doing investor communications, you're really marketing to investors and so forth. I hear you say marketing, but uh, it sounds an awful lot like communications. So you can call it whatever you want. I still think what you're saying is communications. That's all about communicating. Plus, that's where that's where all the talent lies, right? I mean, marketing is just buying stuff. I am trying desperately to come up with a marketing tactic that doesn't have a communications approach to it. I would say that maybe doing uh, an assessment of your market audience and using CRM to identify you know, where there might be potential opportunities to help with planning uh, opening of a new urgent care center or a uh, OBGYN facility. That is a definitely a, a marketing-like activity. And I'm not necessarily saying that you are communicating that out to the, that audience yet. You probably will when you, when you launch that place. That's why marketing is on top and communications, again, is just another arrow in the quiver of marketing. No, you're still communicating in that respect because you've decided as an organization that you were trying to better reach your audience and this is how you're doing it. So the communication is we have a better resource closer to your home. Uh, You know, you're talking about benefits and all of that is a communication. We're trying to better serve our community. I have a feeling, Reed, you and I can go back and forth and round and run on this because, quite frankly, as we've talked about all the way up leading up to this, it, it there's a lot of confusion between what marketing and communications is. Yes. Would you agree? Yes, I would. <laughs> so. um, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, there, there is a lot of... I don't even know if confusion is really the right word. I think we know what it is, but I think there's just not the ability to, to separate it. You can't mm-hmm. peel these two things apart. So while much of what I was saying is, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek, it's kind of the chicken or the egg argument with a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You could just keep arguing both sides forever. And as much as we'd like to argue, I think we need to come to a consensus that marketing and communications are not one above the other. I think that they all align. They're both equally important. And you are doing both when you're engaging a particular audience, communicating to them, and actually trying to elicit some kind of response or getting them to act in some certain way. Welcome back to the Ask the Experts segment of our podcast. I'm talking with a gentleman that I've had the pleasure of meeting a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. He is one of the leaders at an agency here in Minneapolis called Padilla, which many of you may know uh, around marketing and communications. And it's um, Matt Kaharski. And Matt, I am so pleased that we had a chance to kind of get together. We're meeting here in person at your offices. I'm surprised we hadn't met before today, before this, this the earlier, Chris, because uh, we run in the same circle. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you. We sure do. Well, tell tell the uh, listeners of our podcast who may not know a little bit about you, uh, your background, your history, and, and what Padilla does. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I 
I was lucky enough to enter a career that I could stay in for 30 years. I take a lot of passion by helping organizations who have noble purposes and noble initiatives and run the risk of having those things fail because they're not understood or appreciated. And I work for an agency, as you mentioned, called Padilla, mm -hmm. that does this for clients across a wide range of industries across the nation, actually across the world through our partner network, really help build, grow, and protect reputations, including in healthcare. And that's what the topic we're going to be talking about today, which is reputation, and really the intersection of brand experience and reputation. You and I got into a little bit of a conversation about that, which I thought would be great and perfect for our audience. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts around that. Yeah, um, and you know, it is a really uh, important and relevant topic these days, particularly for healthcare uh, and, and providers in, in, in particular, because so many providers throughout their history history have really banked on community trust, mm -hmm. uh, which community trust is a key element of reputation. Mm -hmm. And in this era of healthcare, the uh, demand for new patients, trying to drive new services, trying to retain loyalty, uh, providers have had to start to market. Mm -hmm. And what that's created is this interesting tension and lack of an understanding between building a strong brand and building a strong reputation. Because the two are extremely important but they are not synonymous with each other. Mm -hmm. They're two sides of the same coin, or you know, once someone once said, you know, if the brand is the tree, the reputation is the, is the shadow. The more you understand the interplay between brand and reputation and the distinctions between them, the more you can build each of them effectively and have them work effectively. Mm -hmm. In general, brand is promise of experience. It's not logo, it's not a, a color, it's mm -hmm. not product, it's a promise of experience. Mm -hmm. It's a, a, the expectation that you get when you see that logo from a Mayo Clinic, mm -hmm. a Cleveland Clinic, a Johns Hopkins, what am I going to get? What am I going to experience? However I interact with them. That experience and that promise is carried forward both in the actual services that those organizations provide, but also in the reputations of the organizations behind them, mm -hmm. which is where we get to reputation. So if you think about brand as that experience that you get, Think about reputation as the trust in the organization behind the experience. Mm -hmm. So with a brand, you're buying the service and buying the product. With reputation, you're buying into the idea of the company behind it. I see. And these days, more and more, the two have to be together, particularly in extremely important decisions like our healthcare. Mm -hmm. It's not enough for us to say who gives the cheapest knee replacement or who's the most convenient for us down the street. This is our health we're talking about, and our health means a lot to us, which means we need to look at and trust the organization behind those services as opposed to just the services themselves. And we're seeing a lot in, in the healthcare space that a lot of new entrants coming into the market, like these little startups, maybe you know ambulatory centers that are starting up, Baby uh -huh. & Co is another one, right? Yeah. That are just starting to coming into the market, they're providing this highly uh, uh, engaged experience, but they're new entrants into the market. How do you see health systems that have like more of that long-standing brand and reputation, how do you see that playing out in this new space? You think about it, a new organization, a new startup doesn't have that reputation, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> so what they're really doing is focusing on what can I deliver that's so compelling that's going to cause someone to actually want to change. Mm -hmm. And um, they're going to do it based on the pure transaction of that service. Over time though, any service like that becomes a commodity. Let's take something like um, a laser surgery, eye surgery. Mm -hmm. back, back when it first started, it was done in hospital settings, right? Yeah. Yeah. By healthcare providers. Right. Then you get these independent doctors who do, you know, I did 5,000 LASIK surgeries last year, right? Mm -hmm. 
at some point, there's going to be yet another disruption mm -hmm. that's going to cause that doctor who does 5,000 LASIK surgeries a year to actually compete against something that's even different, mm -hmm. even more different. Without reputation, you lose that stickiness with a, with a customer mm -hmm. um, because the alternative is there's easy switching costs. What causes us to buy a product in the first place is the feature and benefit of the product. What causes us to stay with that is the reputation of the organization behind mm -hmm. it and the and the relationship that gets built. The moment that the brand takes that relationship for granted is the moment that there's a high is the, is the moment we start to get a high high level of switching. It reinforces sort of my own personal belief right around healthcare. Mm -hmm. This is very important to me and my loved ones, my family members. So making that choice is ever more critical on the trust that I have in that organization. Right. Well, you know what's interesting about that, and interesting particularly about healthcare providers, mm -hmm. is healthcare provider evolution of reputation and public relations to marketing is pretty much reverse of just about every other industry. Most industries start out by marketing. They're a new business, they are trying to attract customers and leads, and they do that. They're supporting sales, they're really trying to basically drive revenue. And then as they grow and realize that it's gotta be more than just about driving revenue with customers, I gotta attract employees, I gotta attract investors, I have to have good relationships with the community. Organizations realize that marketing alone is not enough, and then they start to build in and spend time investing in their reputations. Mm -hmm. Healthcare providers are almost the reverse. Right. Most healthcare providers started out by thinking, I need to build my reputation in the community, I need to have good relationships with all my different stakeholders, and then in the modern era of healthcare, we realize, oh no, we have to market. And then they transition into actually developing marketing. You look at most large healthcare organizations who have been around for a while, mm -hmm. the idea of marketing is almost unseemly to them. Yeah. Why should I have to market? I should be serving patients. Mm -hmm. And that, that marketing is almost a dirty word, where the irony is that in a lot of other organizations, PR is the dirty word. As they look at both brand, brand and marketing, mm -hmm. And reputation, clearly hospitals really have a one-up then, right? I mean, they're better off. They have that reputation, right? Well, they're one-up on the reputation. They're not one-up on the sophistication of marketing. Mm -hmm. And so what happens then is you see a lot of what I would say would be almost ham-handedness in the marketing side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, a feeling that maybe, and this gets to this gets to where I know you focus a lot, Chris, is, is on the digital side. Yeah. This idea that I can just do email marketing programs and drive some patient visits. Mm -hmm. Or this idea that if I take out a few Facebook ads or I put a billboard on the highway, that's marketing. It's either seen as transactional or is it seen as I'm paying for my visibility. And then this, this, could be, this is exacerbated with um, a lot of marketing automation solutions that are trying to imply that marketing is this very linear rote process that we can mechanize sure. uh, and, and neglecting the human behavior side of this. So while, yes, health organizations can certainly start out with advantage by recognizing the value of reputation, they tend to be hobbyists when it comes to marketing mm -hmm. and recognizing how marketing can be done in a sophisticated way, but not in a way that's so mechanized and rote that it actually works against their reputation. One of the things that really frustrates me is, is how in some cases 
we're dumbing down the decision-making process of our stakeholders in order to fit some sort of marketing automation software. How we as humans make, make decisions hasn't changed. I don't care who says, new, you know, new marketing expert says, it's completely disrupted, the way we make decisions is different. It's not, it's the same. We still get awareness first, we gather information, we evaluate, we try it, we adopt it, we're reinforced, and ultimately become, become advocates. Mm -hmm. However much you want to compress or extend that process, it's the same process. Mm -hmm. But but taking that and, and go and making it instead awareness, decision, advocacy, and, and, and dumbing it down neglects to recognize the fact that people go on journeys when they're making decisions and they go to multiple sources of information and different personas, to use the term, have different areas of emphasis mm -hmm. and trying to put people into large buckets and automate that process is a failure to recognize the human element within marketing and the human element within building that, that advocacy. Looking at this kind of complex model that's out there, what are some ways that you, you, you work with organizations to kind of help them? Well, number one is really making sure that we understand what that organization's purpose is. And, by, and that, that sounds very lofty, but every organization has noble goals that they're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. uh, driven by their annual, their, their strategic plans, their business objectives, um, you know, market conditions, you name it. Their purpose is where it all has to start. Based on that purpose, what groups of people need to change behavior act in a different way in order for us to achieve that purpose. I like to call it, who's got to burn a calorie? What do employees need to do? What do patients need to do? What do affiliates and partners need to do? What do investors need to do and community members? Understanding what behavior change needs to take place to accomplish those goals is really second. Mm -hmm. Then we talk about developing messaging and stories and platforms to help actually drive that behavior change. Mm -hmm. And notice not once have I said, write a press release, do right. an ad, uh, create a mobile app, because right. that's all secondary based on how people, what behaviors we want to see changed and how people make their decisions. Then we can talk about how, what, what kind of connection strategy needs to happen. That part is often the part that's most neglected. Everybody's excited about developing content, mm -hmm. but, but very few people are really paying attention to the connection of people with that content. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, the connection. Okay, yeah, Content good, versus good, connection. Good, because I believe that is the undervalued part of what both marketers and public relations professionals do is the connection strategy. And here's what I mean by that. What we do is we go and develop this really great story, or we develop this really great creative platform, or we develop these really nice images that we want to share. And then we say, okay, let's take out an ad. Let's go and see if we can get a reporter to write about it. Mm -hmm. Let's go see if we can do some uh, paid social. And let's see if we can do some SEO and SEM. And let's maybe then see if we can do some social media community management to push our message out. It, it treats the connection as essentially just a menu of things to choose from. Mm -hmm. When in reality, what we're doing with connections and what we, as, what we in our field are doing is build, are, we're building networks. We're building networks of advocates. So rather than thinking about the menu of places we're going to put our message, what we should be thinking about is how can we build a network of advocates? And if you go back to even an IT network, just simply an IT network, you think about all the key elements of building a robust network. A network is actually a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. You've got 
the, the nodes on that network. You've got the actual channel. You've got the protocols, which is the data running across that network. And you've got network monitors to see whether or not that network is working optimally. Mm -hmm. Connection strategy is all about how are we going to build a network for that particular organization that is robust enough where it's living and breathing and growing and expanding in a way that allows us to propagate our story all the way through that. Mm -hmm. Because competition these days is not organization versus organization. It's an organization's network versus an organization's network. Mm -hmm. um, it's Mayo Clinic and its partners and its health system and its Mayo Clinic Care Network and all its wonderful um, partners, strategic partners, against Cleveland Clinic and its version of that and against Johns Hopkins. Locally, a hospital system against another hospital system. Mm -hmm. So if we start getting our arms around the fact that it's not X hospital competing against Y hospital, it's X hospital's network of advocates, patients, providers, employees, mm -hmm. benefactors competing against the other one, that lends a whole different level of importance to what we do. It almost redefines the way competition is, is perceived, right? It does. It absolutely does. And there's a term that's being used a lot lately in this space, influencer marketing. What's being coined as influencer marketing out there today mm -hmm. is really social influencer marketing, mm -hmm. which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. but. Social influencer marketing is extremely narrow when you look at the whole universe of influencers that an organization can have out there. Go back to the 90s before we really had social media. Every tech company was building relationships with industry analysts mm -hmm. who were following, following the market and handicapping the players, right? Sure. Food industry has key opinion leaders in academia and in government and in science. Um, you take education and, and you higher education and you've got education experts. Every single one of those is influencer marketing mm -hmm. in the days before social. Sure. Okay. So the fact that we're now talking about influencer marketing is this new thing. <laughs> I, it caused me to roll my eyes because it's been done since there has been third-party communication. Go back to Lazarsfeld's two-step flow, which Lazarsfeld was a social scientist who looked at the credibility of a message as it went from point A to point B versus going from point A to point C to point B through a third party mm -hmm. and how the credibility increases as it goes through a third party. Mm -hmm. Guess what? That's influencer marketing. We just happen to now be doing it with people who are, uh, you know, through their blogs and through Facebook and Instagram and through their uh, their Twitter sites. Right. We have tools now that allow us to We have to tools now that allow us to automate that automate and it. to make it more efficient, which that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But getting this idea that now we've discovered that you know, we're all influenced by third parties when mm -hmm. we're making important decisions like buying a product or, or working for a company. That's just someone who's trying to make themselves relevant. This kind of leads to sort of the nexus of marketing and communication. So mm -hmm. let's touch on that briefly. In our agency, we do public relations and reputation building, mm -hmm. and we also do marketing. Mm -hmm. But it's not the same thing. It's not just because we do both doesn't mean that they are equal to each other. Mm -hmm. um, and and let's, let's even take it outside of public relations and just talk about earned media. Fantastic ways to build reputation so that hmm, I'm interested in a, a, a service or I'm interested in buying a product or a service or I'm interested in this particular provider. I'm gathering information about them. 
Now I'm gonna evaluate whether or not this provider is worthy of my business. But when I do my research, I, I read that article in Modern Healthcare, mm-hmm. or I might have seen that presentation, or I might have heard about it from that third party to right. validate my decision journey, right? Mm-hmm. Well, a happy accident sometimes happens in that that article or that speech or that industry expert generated some leads. You know, there's been times when, you know, a really great news article caused a whole bunch of leads and inquiries into a company. And that's fantastic, but that's not the reason you do publicity is to generate leads. In fact, it's Mm -hmm. a terrible way to generate leads. But because the happy accident happened, marketers go, we need more of that. Let's replicate that. Let's go do more of those stories because we'll get more leads. And then they're disappointed because it was truly a happy accident. Publicity is not designed to lead lead generation. If you want lead generation, do advertising, do direct. But just like ads and direct generate a whole lot of leads, ads and direct don't generate a whole lot of credibility. Maybe there was occasionally someone who trusted you because of that ad. Not gonna happen very often. They're gonna trust you because of the article. All this is a way to essentially say, because of this happy accident that sometimes happens when we're doing earned media, we push it over further up into the funnel into the awareness stage mm-hmm. when it's not a good awareness right. building tool. Right. It, it's, it's, it's an essential part of the decision journey, but it has to be put in the right category. Right. What the consequence also is for professionals who are in the field is sometimes people who are, who are raised in a public relations kind of environment get told, well, you're really marketers, and then they only know half the marketing story. Just like a marketer gets told, go do public relations because they're the same, and they don't have a, they don't have the bone in there, that 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 synapse in their head that says, no, this is really about building trust and credibility. Mm-hmm. Using public relations as ersatz marketing, you better hope for a lot of happy accidents. Likewise, if you're going to try and build reputation through advertising mm-hmm. and through direct mail and through, you know, uh, pay per click, mm-hmm. boy, you better have a website that people just. Really, really <laughs> see as a trustworthy website. Right. It's important to, to approach approach both brand and reputation in, in two different ways. Which is yeah, they're com- Venus and Serena. Exactly. Okay? They're playing the same game, but they have different styles. You know, we're in a fantastic time in in marketing mm-hmm. and communications and health. I mean, with mm-hmm. all the swirl that's going on in healthcare, mm-hmm. there need to be people who can help make sense and clarity of this. That things have to change, and nothing changes without effective communications. Maybe people listening in want to learn a little bit more about you and mm-hmm. more about Padilla. Uh, if you if you check out anything, check out uh, my company. It's www.padillaco.com. P-A-D-I-L-L-A-C-O.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter. It's at M Kucharski, K-U-C-H-A-R-S-K-I, or hit me up on LinkedIn. Matt, thank you so much for just like sharing some of your great ideas. Your blog and podcast serve a really great purpose too. We gotta, as professionals, share what uh, what we're seeing and hearing with the, with each other. Absolutely. Well, great. thanks again. Thank you. And here we are at the end of episode 45. This one could go on forever because there's not really an end point to it. So I'm sure we'll revisit this and revisit this as part of other episodes, maybe more specific episodes around certain uh, deliverables or something like that. Anyway, good good conversation. Quick reminder, be sure to check us out uh, specifically on LinkedIn and Twitter to uh, be able to find the link to our end of year survey. We'd love to have your feedback 
on uh, a variety of topics. But quick survey, just a couple of questions will really help us out for 2018 as we plan ahead and do some awards and all that kind of fun stuff. Be sure to uh, recommend us to friends, family, all that kind of fun stuff. Ratings and reviews are always great, and we certainly Mm -hmm. appreciate that. So here we are, recommendations. What do you got? I got one that uh, I just stumbled across last night. Uh, So, Reed, have you ever heard of the show, The Great British Baking Show? No. It was a show, I actually discovered it was on PBS originally, but I found it actually when it was rebroadcast on Netflix or posted on Netflix. And it was sort of a quaint little British show that brought people in, a reality show where people came in every week and they had a bake-off. And it was kind of fun. It it really had that quaint charm of a British show. Very polite. They weren't screaming at each other. There wasn't any kind of like throwing pies in people's faces. And they always baked interesting different types of things. I immediately became a fan of it. And uh, I turned my wife on to it. And we we both kind of binged it together. It was kind of fun. On those days when you don't really want to have heavy TV watching, right? That's a really good thing to do. Well, last night, we're just, uh, you know, we're just... It had a long day, sat down, just going through the listings on the TV and came across The Great American Baking Show. It's a show that's currently broadcasting on ABC, almost the same type of approach. It's fun, but it has Americans. And so the judges are, one of them's from the British show and another's an American baker that actually goes through and they taste all the different things and vote people off. They combine and mesh together some of the, the best aspects of American culture into this quaint British show, including and down to the fact that one of the hosts is a, a former football player, Anthony Spice Adams. Do you know who he is? Mm, no. Do you know? No, I don't. No. Anyway, well... He's a, he's a football player, right? So a kind of a burly football football guy, nice. all-American. And he's one of, the ho- one of the hosts and also one of the judges. And it's just a lot of fun. And I tell you what, if you want to get lost on some bingeable, brainless TV, I say watch the uh, Great American Baking Show. Excellent recommendation. Uh, always good for the holidays as well. Mine has to do with the holidays. It's a little bit different. But everybody everybody has a peppermint, right? I mean, you have peppermints, you go to restaurants, you get peppermints, you have them around the house. Sometimes more so because you get them in the candy cane form, um, you know, for, for Christmas. I have them around, have them on, hanging on your tree, et cetera, et cetera. My recommendation is, you know, go the extra mile and get the spearmint. Don't get the peppermints, get the spearmints, the, the green and white ones. And uh, only do it, though, during the holiday season. And then, in a few years, it'll be like a Christmas thing, and the taste of spearmint will remind you of the holiday season. So, there you go. I used to love spearmint gum over peppermint gum, so I think that... Uh, and, and now you can buy it in candy format, is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, it's just it looks just like a peppermint, like mm-hmm. the little round white and red peppermint, except it's white and green. It's great. Well, I will get some spearmint Christmas candy then this year. Awesome. 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 Yep. Everybody needs to get some spearmint. Uh, Highly recommended. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, We certainly appreciate the support and all the uh, feedback we've gotten so far. And look forward to uh, seeing you again next week. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith. 